What is the Podcast of Matrix? The Podcast of Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. The protection of a child, even before it's been born, is an instinct that many covet, but none as much as the mother depicted inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Hold on to your history books, let the last band play on, and strap yourselves into an old cursed wooden cradle from the days of the Titanic, because it's time for the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 25, What a Mother Wouldn't Do. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Nick, now that we've... Finished up with Endgame. No spoilers inside this Of course not. No spoilers. Uh, We will be resuming the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, which we want to encourage all of you to go over, regardless of whether or not you've got the the bug for comic book nests at all. But go check that out over at agentsofshield.tv to get the most comprehensive and most educational review episodes of each and every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and streaming media services. Again, that's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., TV. Nick, there's so much to get to inside this episode. Let's jump straight into the retelling inside this episode. Season 1, episode 25 of Friday the 13th, the series... What a Mother Wouldn't Do. Inside a very dark hospital doctor's office, a doctor is telling a soon-to-be mother that she needs an abortion. And the mother is having none of it. After the mother leaves and is contemplating the future, she saunters by an old antique shop and spies a wooden crib in the window. As she enters the store, a calming voice asks her, If you see anything that you like, just ask me. I'm Louis. Louis Bonderdy. And thus the episode begins. It's the Curious Goods Antique Shop before it was the Curious Goods Antique Shop run by none other than Uncle Lewis. A cup of tea and a story later, the mother still does not yet own the baby's cradle because she has no money. Fast forward six months, and it's time for a baby shower! 
her friends have pulled together their resources and gotten the wooden cradle from the not curious goods antique shop. Fast forward again, where the mother is sitting on a park bench next to a large body of water, and a jogger is running by. The mother actually pushes the buggy towards the water and begins screaming, Oh, my baby! Oh, my baby! The jogger runs as fast as humanly possible towards the buggy that's fallen into the water along with the baby. The jogger arrives to the buggy to save the baby and the buggy, but realizes that he's only saving the buggy. There's no baby to be found. And thud! A pipe, wielded by another man, strikes the back of the jogger, who falls face-first into the water and drowns. The jogger was the doctor who wanted to abort the child, Mike. Wow, isn't that convenient? A watery death for a man trying to save the life again, but denied. Snap to a babysitter snuggling with the small baby in a cradle. A cursed cradle, that is that begins rocking itself as she leaves. Snap back to the now Curious Goods antique store, where Jack, Mickey, and Ryan are reviewing a thank you letter provided to Uncle Lewis for the (gasps) cursed wooden cradle. Mommy arrives back to the creepy apartment. She and her husband have just murdered the fourth person, apparently in an effort to make the baby healed. That's the good news. The bad news is more people have to die. It means more murder, Mike. Definitely. Murder most foul. She looks so well now, especially when she's in the cradle. Martin, the husband, and the mother begin talking about needing to kill a total of seven people, after which their daughter will be healed and safe. Jack and Ryan pour over paperwork to find more clues to either the name of the person or persons that purchased the cradle. And we'll get to it right after they rearrange everything in the vault. They're running out of room, Mike. Uh, apparently, and so everything's got to be rearranged inside Too there. many cursed hey, objects. How about some shelving, dude? <laughs> shelving solves everything. Snap back to a coughing baby screaming that wakes its parents. And guess what? It's time for more murder. But you know what? Martin, the husband, isn't interested in doing this anymore. So the mother decides to call the building superintendent with a water emergency. After a knocking on the door, the fifth victim arrives. It's Mr. Johnson, who arrives to attend to the non-existent leak inside the apartment and thud goes the candlestick. This time, it's time to kill him in water too. To fulfill the creepy needs of the curse, into the toilet goes his face. And he dies as the child quiets and the cradle stops rocking. Allison, the baby, is better, and everything is going to be all right, honey. Mommy says night-night. The next day, there's a knock at the door. The babysitter answers the door, and, hey, it's Mickey. She asks about the cradle. The babysitter says that the cradle is here, and that the baby never leaves that cradle. And, by the way, it's in it right now, and that it can never be sold. Regardless, the babysitter allows her to come in and take a peek at the cradle. That's a smart move, Nick. Yeah, stranger into the house. Take a look at this baby. Awesome, just for a moment and then leave. Awesome, may I have your business card? Sure, why not? After she leaves, she tears up the business card never to contact them again. Asterisk. Back at the shop, Mickey and Ryan finish drawing a sketch of the cradle, which apparently, originally, was on the Titanic. 
Jack reveals the history behind the cradle. Evidently, it was owned by a mother, a small baby, traveling to the New World on the Titanic. And as the Titanic started going down, the mother was trying to get the cradle with the baby in it into a lifeboat. But the people in the lifeboat were having none of it. There's a bit of a struggle trying to get the crib in and out of the lifeboat, and it goes overboard, falling into the icy water. At the exact same time, the ropes on the lifeboat give, and all seven people that are in the lifeboat fall into the water and die instantly. But guess what? The baby and the cradle are fine. That's super creepy and historical, Nick. Thanks for that. I do what I can, Mike. Eventually, the parents arrive back home, and the babysitter tells them that someone came a-calling and is looking to purchase the cradle. And now, Martin, the husband, is sure that someone knows what they're up to. Back at the shop, Ryan and Mickey are pondering the curse and hope eventually that Jack comes up with a solution. Because they got nothing, Nick. They got absolutely nothing. The babysitter reads a newspaper article that details the recent drowning of the building superintendent and starts to put the pieces of the missing building superintendent puzzle together. The parents argue more about future murder, the small price to pay for a baby's life, and mother thinks that no one suspects anything at this point about the baby. A knock at the door and it's the babysitter. She asks to come in for a minute to talk about Mr. Johnson's drowning and those keys that she doesn't notice sitting on the floor. After she leaves, the husband realizes that she was looking right at the keys. The keys of the now-dead building superintendent. And clearly she knows, and now needs to be the next life in the line of seven deaths of succession for baby salvation. Jack arrives at local hospital number seven to collect more information about baby Kent and wanted to find out more about how sick she was, about when she was born, and about her amazingly bad heart. All of this detail comes to him inside of a complete and terrible HIPAA violation. He also finds out that the doctor that saved the baby's life originally was recently found, drowned, while jogging inside a local pond. (gasps) No way! The babysitter prepares for her last bath. Isn't that convenient? Outside on the patio window... A Martin-shaped figure breaks into the sliding glass door and then proceeds to drown the babysitter. No, wait, he doesn't drown the babysitter. The babysitter screams, and thankfully, Ryan and Mickey are walking right outside the apartment building of, I don't know, 40, 50 different floors and hear the screaming of the babysitter that's now being drowned. They enter into the apartment. The Martin-shaped figure breaks loose and exits from the window parapet again and escapes. Ryan and Mickey saved the babysitter's life. Woohoo! Yay, the babysitter is safe. Thank God the babysitter is safe. After climbing the patio parapet and undonning his goofy ass mask, the husband begins having second thoughts about having more killing. But the mother is uninterested in hearing any more of what he's saying because she loves her baby. Ryan and Mickey console the babysitter and invite her to go to the police. No, they don't. They invite her to go to the Curious Goods Antique Shop where everybody is safe. Back at the home of Mommy and Baby, Mother contemplates the future. A prom, a man that she'll eventually meet, and this cradle, just in case. 
back at the Curious Good Shop, Jack, Mickey, and Ryan are now pondering the rest of the curse. The timeline for the Titanic sinking anniversary. Hmm, does it govern the lifespan of the precious baby? Or doesn't it? The babysitter overhears the conversation and decides to call home and tell mother everything about what they're talking about. It's time for the two of them to talk. You know, someplace private, next to a large body of water. That's a great idea. The babysitter exits out the back door of the antique shop, where nobody apparently pays attention or hears anything. Ryan eventually comes a-calling to see if the babysitter, quote, needs anything, and finds that she's gone. Jack, Mickey, and Ryan jump in the rolls and roll into the night looking for the babysitter. Mickey is concerned about the innocent baby. All of them consider what evil they've been dealing with regularly. Boo frickin' who. The Rolls pulls up to an incredibly well-lit intersection where Mickey spies Mother driving her car. Ryan decides to follow her inside the Rolls while Mickey and Jack venture into the apartment building. Hey, look! The apartment door is open! How curious! Hmm, check out this interesting aquarium placed in the middle of the kitchen island. Hmm, that's not terribly convenient, but there it is. They continue on to see what they can find. They make their way into the baby's room with the cradle. It begins moving on its own. Very creepy, Mike. Super creepy and dark, just like the rest of the tone of this episode. Back at the neighborhood foggy wharf, Mother is meeting with the babysitter. The babysitter wants the baby. Oh, oh, Mother says, come closer because I can't see you very well and I won't be able to hit you over the head with the crowbar I'm hiding. And so the babysitter comes closer and thunk, over the head she gets hit with a crowbar. Into the water she flies. Ryan arrives just in time and tries to intervene, but he too is conked and thrown into the water. But neither of them are dead. Mother decides that it's time to really stick it to them. She grabs the giant pull that stick thing and begins poking sticking to kill both of them inside the water it apparently works because both heads go underwater the water is still and quiet just like the thoughts of the mother who has just fulfilled the curse at least in her mind she believes she's killed them both mike both of them because the water is quiet at the same time, back at the apartment, Mickey removes the baby from the cradle, and it begins to scream and howl. The cradle rocks uncontrollably, causing Mickey to put the baby back in the cradle again. Unfortunately, Daddy gets the drop on Jack and Mickey, who holds them both at gunpoint. They convince him that he is going to be the last victim in the curse, thanks to Mother. Hmm. Mother is driving back home again, contemplating the future. And guess what? Ryan is alive! Mother arrives home to find Jack and Mickey and her husband. But wait a minute, the baby is not healed. The mother is confused because the old antique owner, Louis Vonderdee, told her that seven lives must be taken in water for the baby to live to be healed before the anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. Martin, the husband, and the mother begin arguing again. The husband wants to remove the baby from the cradle and let nature take its course. Mother is having none of it and grabs the gun from the husband. He still won't listen to her. Obviously, there's not enough holes in his body for which to hear her, and so she adds a couple more with the gun. Kapow! 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 The husband falls 
into the incredibly conveniently placed aquarium in the middle of the room and falls to the ground behind the couch so we can't see exactly what's happened. She then orders Jack and Mickey to the patio parapet where she's going to have them jump out and fly into the fountain four stories below, thereby dying in water, finishing out the curse. Thankfully, Ryan springs into the room, but guess what? The bullets have been used. Terribly appropriate, and the count is right. And Mother believes that she finally is up against a wall, against which she has no answer. The only thing left to do? Jump out of the building to her own death. And she does. She falls down multiple stories and dies. But guess what? The curse is lifted, and the item is... Recovered! Mother was the seventh death. You see, the husband fell into the incredibly conveniently placed aquarium in the middle of the room and ended up dying inside of water, thereby making Mother the seventh death. After the two events of watery death, Jack, Mickey, and Ryan check out the cradle to make sure that the baby is okay. But it's missing. Fast forward a day. The club-to-the-head babysitter's body has not been found, and still, the baby is missing. There is a figure, and a baby that board a bus, bound for an unknown city and future. Every episode of Friday the 13th contains things that are good. Here's our listing of goods for this episode. Super appropriate crazy motherness. Man, this was great. The mother's craziness that's depicted inside of this episode is not just epic, but it's all terribly appropriately placed over the top. Yeah, yeah. All of it struck me as very real, but very intense, superbly passionate. I love it when this series takes the time to deposit Things that are completely out of the ordinary, i.e., hey, look, it's a cursed wooden crib from the frickin' Titanic, Mm. with real-life feelings. Uh, For anybody that has a child, you know that you would probably do just about anything except maybe murder people for the welfare of your baby. And no bones, you see it here. Whether she's busy killing people or coveting the baby, it's all incredibly over-the-top appropriate. This episode has a lot of moral quandaries mm. because, again, I, I I am not a parent. You are. Right. For, for me, I mean, I, I wouldn't go around murdering anybody because I don't have a child to take care of. I don't I don't have anything to worry about. Yet I understand the instinctual need mm-hmm. to protect your child, even when it's not born yet. Right. I mean, right off the bat with this episode, we're, we're in the doctor's office and the doctor is saying, the baby is no good for you. Mm-hmm. It could da- it, You could die in the process, but this baby is going to die. Mm-hmm. So we might as well abort it now, saving you more health issues. Yeah, incredibly well, ballsy. Very, yeah, very, it's ballsy, but it's also very callous. It's just like, matter of fact, to the point. Mm-hmm. It's like, we have to do this to save your life. It is No, it's just like, no, no, the, we have to kill the baby or else you, know, you might die. But the baby's definitely going to die. Right. It's a slap in the face yeah. of reality. It's like, what would you do? Yeah. And of course, since we're in the world of Friday the 13th, the series, well, they're cursed objects, and these cursed objects can perform, well, magic. miracles. Yeah, uh, magic, magic. Magic. But, magic. But in some people's minds, a miracle can happen. Yeah. 
you just have to murder seven people yeah. in water well, for well, it to work. What I also really enjoyed about this episode is the from from the outside perspective, knowing one nothing about the cradle, two nothing about what is going on. That nurse that walks up to Jack and has a conversation. Mm, yeah. The uh, again, well, we'll talk a bit, little bit about the validity of what happens there, but that she's willing to come up to him and then tell him it was a miracle. There's no way that that yeah. baby should have lived. Having that little sprinkling of of the pixie dust of magic storytelling, I, I love it. Yeah. I love it inside this series, and it's very well depicted here. The look of the cradle. You and I go on and on about production design inside of this this series in general, whether it be the special effects that are showcased, whether it be the vistas that they choose to have, which again, they have a variety of different places they go inside of this episode. But one thing that we always marvel at is the absolute excellence when it comes to general production design for things like a prop, like the cradle. Yeah, The cradle looks ancient. The mm-hmm. cradle yeah. looks like something that you yanked off the Titanic after it's been inside of X amount of shops and is, by the way, cursed. Mm. It, it looks it. it. It has every single motif that it needs to showcase that. It's incredibly theatrical. It's got the perfect color where even though everything that you see, in particular inside of that freaking apartment, where the uh, check out the wallpaper inside <laughs> of that apartment. Everything has color. Everything is awesome. And what's not awesome is the cradle. Except for the baby's eyes. The rest of it's all incredibly black and white and stark gray, nothing. And it's perfect. It's perfect for this episode. And the the depiction of that, along with the sketch that was made by a description to Ryan by Mickey after having seen it, I thought it was all wonderful. Yeah, it's one of those situations where we could have gone, hey, let's put some weird markings on this and make it look even more demonic. and blah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, it would have looked more interesting but the fact that it's just stark plain Mm -hmm. just plain wood plain is a very good word for it makes it even creepier yeah it has no what i also notice that there are no holes it's all solid there's no there's no decorative anything to it it's all plain that's Mm -hmm. that's a great way to to state it nondescript yeah Connecting it to history and the episode's tone altogether. I think what I always love, and in particular the Titanic, mm-hmm. I think th- there are so many people that either have a deep affinity with, or at least a even if you have a tiny curiosity, very often it's an intense curiosity about the Titanic. Yeah, uh, I think it got thicker even after the film in 1997 was issued. Right, but. Still, to this day, there's people that are curious about things that happen on the Titanic, all of which we kind of know at this point. There's there's still some mystery that surrounds pieces of the story of the Titanic, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of it that has either been solved or hypotheses have been made about it that kind of make sense. Right. And so it's put in place as pseudo-history. Uh, what I like about this is that it rides that. I love just about anything that will take the time to ride the historic wave of insert just about anything historical. Yeah. That that continues all the way up until today. Something like uh, 112263, that series on Hulu. Hulu, yeah, the Stephen King story. Yeah. That is an extraordinary hook that is absolutely undeniable. Again, the JFK assassination is another one of those superbly deep, passionate curiosities for people, whether you have just a small curiosity or you have the people that are just gonzo, bonzo, out the window 
literally crazy about what happened that day. Yeah. The fact is that it's intensely passionate. We all have a moment that we can think something about what happened that day. You get exactly the same flavor here. And I think I think you could have even used a little bit more. But what was given was incredibly appropriate at at the again, I think the perfect times as there were sprinklings of the the legend of the curse, mm-hmm. the legend of the myth from the curse, and then real life quote history that was provided to give this some credence. I love all that. Yeah, the well, I mean, this is a there's a very dark tone to this episode simply because there is yeah. a child involved. Mm-hmm. And not even just a child, it's a baby. It's yeah. a newborn. And hey, by the way, abortion. Right. Yeah. It, this it, is these are big yeah. things. It is like child death. Yeah. Whether it be abortion because your life is in danger or or abortion because you want to complete the curse or you want the well, curse yeah. to experience to stop. That that's where the husband was inside. Well, yeah, he was I going love that. to. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he he did not want to keep killing people, but you know, he also has the love for his daughter. Right there at the end, it's like, well, it's too late. We're we're not going to be able to fulfill this curse. I at least want to hold my daughter before she dies. Yeah, all very powerful, yeah. powerful uh, story points. And then you tie it to one of the worst nautical disasters in human history mm-hmm. and you you put that little spin on it as well and you've got something uh, where this episode's concerned is just something all worthy you're just kind of sitting there having to take it in going like whoa all worthy that's a great word all worthy that, yes that, that's that's phenomenal and it's perfect to showcase this episode that's where we ask you guys what did you guys think was good inside this episode season one episode 25 what a mother wouldn't do let us know what you think by going over to our website that's curiousgoodspodcast.com click anywhere on the right hand side of the page fill out that quick web form tell us what you think well we've covered the goods but now it's time for us to cover the not so goods in this episode of friday the 13th the series debbie's plan we've got debbie the babysitter who absolutely loves baby allison Mm -hmm. feels like i'm a second mom to her Mm -hmm. uh sweet girl but (laughs) there towards the end of the episode when she's been you know rescued from watery death from her bathtub and she's she's uh lodging at the curious goods antique shop she (laughs) overhears jack and mickey and ryan talking about the curse and what the Kents are actually doing. Mm -hmm. And you see the wheels turning in Debbie's mind, so evidently she believes what's going on. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting that somebody who doesn't really know anything about the cursed objects believes these three people about what's going on Mm because evidently there's enough evidence. Cool. Mm -hmm. Great. Showing that Debbie's smart. Uh, Till you get her plan going... She calls Mrs. Kent. She calls Mama. I I know what's going on. I know what you're doing, and I want to meet face to face because we got to talk. Because I too care about the child, and I want to see things work out. So let's meet at a dark, watery, foggy, <laughs> foggy uh, uh, spot to where we can talk privately. Not necessarily a a sound plan. Yeah. I mean, especially going alone too. Right. And after hearing, I think, what, every single piece that she'd need to know 
from the conversation that Jack, Ryan, and Mickey have about not only the death that has to happen, but also the watery death that has yeah, to happen. Yeah, people have to die. So I'm I'm assuming, I'm going to have to assume, because if that was just her plan, it was a stupid plan. <laughs> stupid is a great word. But but I'll 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 I'll, I'll walk with her. Something? I'll walk with her a little bit. Maybe and this this shows how much she loves the child as well. Maybe in Debbie's mind, she thought if she could lure the mom, maybe she was going to kill the mom to make her another victim. I, I, I don't know. It's it's you're only going to get the baby if two more people die. Yeah. She knows that. Debbie knows this. So there's got to be more death. Is it going to be by Debbie's hands? That's... Or was she hoping things worked out in a different way? Because yeah. it also goes into the the whole plan of the mother. Because her plan was okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to kill Debbie. I'm going to go drown, you know, dump her body in this in in this lake in this pond, this wharf. Then I'm going to come home and I'm going to kill my husband. Yeah, and that, was, be a, that was a perceived plan by Jack and Mickey. Right. Oh well, yeah. They they as, as, as soon as they walked in and saw that the husband was still there, it's like, well, you you, you, you know, you're, you're the seventh seven. victim. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. you're not stupid, are you? I I thought that was a really interesting story tell. I just yeah. wonder if. It's not that I know the mother wouldn't do it, right? But, yeah. Uh, but if she's going to kill six already, she would find number seven that's not directly related to her. That's not the mother of the baby she loves. I don't know. I mm, I, I think by that point in time she was uh, far enough gone. Mm. But again, we're mm. getting off track. Yeah. Debbie's plan. Debbie's plan not so awesome. Debbie's plan. <laughs> <laughs> HIPAA violations abound. And I'll tell you what, Mike. Had my <laughs> wife been watching this episode with me, she she would have gone on a rant yeah. about this nurse yeah. who just gives blah, blah. everything away yeah. to Jack, not connected to the family in any way, Marshak. Yeah, uh, yeah which is... is a huge problem. I don't know how you do things in Canada. <laughs> But here in America, oh, I didn't even that... think of that. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I... it's not a HIPAA violation because there is no HIPAA in Canada. Uh, well, that's something <laughs> to look up. Then I hadn't thought about that. There's got to be some reciprocal, though. In fact, we know that we have Canadian listeners. Yes, that's a strange call to the audience here in the middle of one of the negatives. Let us know what the Canadian version of HIPAA is called. Jump over to our website quick. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com and tell us, educate us, yes. give us knowledge of what HIPAA is inside of Canada. Anyway, back to the violation. By the way, for those of you that aren't familiar with HIPAA, essentially what it is, it's the Privacy Act that protects people's private information so that someone like Jack Marshak can't just show up and go, hey, would you mind telling me the most intimate details of a baby that was going to be aborted but wasn't aborted and where that family lives? Thanks. Yeah. And then get information. Okay, well, he does. He gets all kinds of oodles of information, including the name of the doctor, including what happened to the doctor, which obviously he could go and read about. But any of the information about that baby, the baby's peril, the baby's solution, quote unquote, that it was a miracle. Yeah. Uh, all of that. All of that is information that would never be shared with some dude in a jacket off the street. Wouldn't be shared. But luckily that it was because it helped Jack start piecing things together. Yeah. Yeah. Learning that the Kent doctor was discovered dead, drowned mm -hmm. in in a local park pond. After yogging. After yogging. Starts pointing to the way to how the curse worked for him. So, so yes, HIPAA violations helped the progression of the story, but yeah. huge no-no. It's, yeah. it's almost as if 
all of the writers for this show, anytime it comes to public servants like nurses, doctors, or even police officers, they just don't grasp what these individuals can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to our next point. No cops being called post-tub almost drowning. We have seen in this first season, anytime that the cops are involved in anything, they are pretty inept. Sadly. You're being kind. I, I, I am being yeah. kind. I have not seen a, 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 not even a quasi-realistic depiction of police officers in this show yet. But we still have, you know, there's still two more seasons. So th- hopefully we get lucky. But evidently, Mickey and Ryan feel that because the cops in this show are so inept, that they do not suggest to Debbie to call the police yeah. after somebody has broken into her apartment and attempted to drown her in her own tub. Yeah. Uh, is it, Maybe this is yet another character flaw of Debbie. I mean, she didn't have a really great plan, and now she doesn't want cops involved. Or maybe it's just one of those things where the writers were like, oh, do we really want to have another? We're going to have to cut something if we're going to insert two minutes of cops asking questions. <laughs> let's uh, let's just not have them call the cops. Yeah, Which let's have them of, just take her to the Curious yeah, Good Shop. Yeah, do, do you have anywhere to stay? No, I don't know anybody oh, here. Well, but please come to our shop. Yeah, come, no. come with us, <laughs> uh, the, the strangers who saved your life. Come to our creepy shop in the middle of the night with all these antiques and knickknacks around. And what I hate, too, is I know that that needs to just be glossed over because it's storytelling people. It's storytelling people. I get it. Right. Yes. I totally get it. it, There's a you and I've talked about this forever, though. There's such an easy way to just take super slim pieces of conversation and insert it and it all works out. It it doesn't have to be some sort of epic detour instead of the storytelling. Yeah. It doesn't have to be four pages of dialogue between characters. It's literally a couple of sentences and we're done. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I so wish that TV especially, because it's definitely not happening in the streaming service movies as much. Mm. Definitely not. TV is where it's most needed because oh, yeah. it's it's a collection of episodes. So you're trying to tell a story in a set amount of time. You don't want to waste time Mm -hmm. with crap. Right. Well, those are our thoughts about the not-so-goods, but we want to know what you thought about the not-so-goods in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Hit the contact button, fill out that contact form, and let us know your thoughts. It's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing the Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? 
It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com, that's EditorCore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, this series. This time, Season 1, Episode 25. What a mother wouldn't do. Each time we come back from break, it's time to reveal our manifest moments. A manifest moment is where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Mine is very simple. Mm -hmm. Also kind of a blink and you'll miss it, though. Mm. Towards the beginning of the episode, Mm -hmm. after Mommy has received the crib and, and delivered and out and about with what we believe is her child, she's in the park. And she's luring the Dr. Jogger. She's reading a book. And the book that she is reading is Rosemary's Baby. Oh, ha. Now, that is very apropos for the episode. Only because, you know, Rosemary's Baby is about the devil impregnating a woman, Rosemary, and uh, the birth of the Antichrist. We got no Antichrist babies here in this episode, but the fact that it's yet another story referring to a child mm-hmm. and the devil, hence cursed objects, I thought that that was a, a funny nod that I'm, I'm sure somewhere on the production staff was like, hey, hey, put this book in her hand. It'll be funny. People will get people will get a laugh out of it. Oh, and the buggy. The buggy's in there, too. And the and buggy. The, yeah. The, the buggy, buggy's yeah. in that scene. That, that's very interesting. I think that's a great hearkening to more baby-based horror awesome. Yeah. I think that's great. My manifest moment inside this episode has got to be the revelation that there is a tie to the Titanic. They bring it up vague enough with the watery death thing Mm, that if you didn't know and didn't think of it, you might just think, okay, they all happen to die in water. Boy, that's very interesting. And when you finally find out that not only is it a stroke of, wow, that's interesting, it's a stroke of intentionality because... It's a piece of what has to happen in regard to the curse. I love that. Yeah. The, the revelatory 
light bulb moments that can happen in a series like this, especially with a curse that you and I know literally nothing about. Yeah. There's no there's no resource for us to go and find that legend of the cursed wooden baby cradle from the Titanic. There is no such and, thing. And the curse is brought to us in pieces almost, I'd say a good half hour. We're still learning things about the curse a half hour into the into the episode, yeah. and which, I dig, which is great. I dig that yeah. so much. It feels like they, they actually took time to you know, almost make up a, a piece of a Bible that details every single piece of what we're going to find over the course of the series. I love that. Mm, yeah. I, I love the historical nature of that. I love that there is contemplation in regard to ideas, and it's not just all kind of vomited out and here's what happens this episode. Right. I love that a lot. The the tie to history, I think, is probably a, a, a giant striking of gold because every time that that happens, I'm going to, I'm going to choose Quantum Leap to refer to. Quantum Leap is still one of my favorite programs ever because of the format of the program and the people that they chose as the actors in the program. Right. But the ones that everybody remembers or can at least strike up an incredibly passionate notation about are the ones that actually slip into history, i.e. the JFK episode of Quantum Leap. The, wasn't that like a two- or three-parter? Yeah. Yeah, or that was the, a big one. Or the... Elvis. The Elvis one. The Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. The uh, MLK episode. All yeah. of those... All of those strike deep in the heart of something that matters to a variety of people in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it allows for that that almost dinner bell call of feelings. And so stacked on top of abortion, stacked on top of, hey, a curse, stacked on top of, hey, a wooden crib from the Titanic, stacked on top of seven people have to die in a watery death, stacked on top of, hey, there's three heroes inside of this episode that have to save the day. Stacked on top of kick-ass acting by two people we've never seen nor will see again inside the series. Asterisk. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 it's wonderful, and I love that they use that as a centerpiece to dish out information almost unintentionally. You have to pay attention inside this episode because you yearn to know more details about the curse. And you get it in spades. Yeah, yeah. That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you think. Vocabulary. Ah, the vocabulary portion of our program. It's time to visit words that struck us as we watched this episode. The first word is... Cradle. Definitely an older school word. More often than not, it's a crib, at least in the U.S. Not sure about other countries or not, if there are many different words for it. But crib is the one that I know I used for my daughter when I had my daughter, who wasn't cursed. And we didn't murder seven (laughs) people, by the way, in a watery death. Cradle is listed as, according to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, a baby bed with sides and rockers. Or where something originated or was nurtured in its earlier existence. Or... The birth of a person or a trough, which can be rocked. It's also used as a verb to hold gently and carefully, i.e. cradle, or to bring up from infancy or to hold or place in as if in a cradle. And finally, to wash in a cradle. Our second word is abortion. Now, this isn't a word that we included just for shock value because it's not. 
No. The first couple of sentences inside of this episode are literally the words, this baby needs to be aborted. And while, especially in the United States, uh, abortion has become one of the hottest, most explosive topics Mm -hmm. in general discussion. It is a hot button topic. Right. The bottom is that they are happening. This is not the platform for a pro or con. It is just quoting the word that we wanted to use because, obviously, it's a very strong word. And so we're using the word abortion. The nouns for those, again, according to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, used as a noun, it's termination of pregnancy or failure of a plan or the act of ending something. What vocabulary did you find inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. Again, that's Curious Goods Podcast. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what vocabulary words you found inside this episode. Episode rating. Ah, the rating inside of the Curious Goods Podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A literal 10 scored in Olympic high diving. A one is on the bottom of the heap. That Tom and Jerry Tom dive into a puddle a quarter of an inch deep. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what have you got? Where this episode is concerned, especially when we were talking about the not-so-goods, we really had to... Struggle. Struggle and nitpick yeah. about those. I mean, they really didn't hinder the story at all, but mm-hmm. if you stop and actually analyze them, then yeah, that's that's why we picked them. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, none of those things made me go, wow, this episode's really stupid because of those things at all. Mm-hmm. Because you have a very serious situation. What would parents, specifically a mother, do to save their child? Or what wouldn't they do? Right. right? It, we learn in the episode that because she, because the mom had the baby, she's never going to be able to have any more children. Mm-hmm. So if she allows Allison to die, then that's it. There's, there's no more kids. Mm-hmm. It's all or nothing. I will kill seven people by the time that the curse is supposed to be up yeah. to save my child. But then you've got our hero side of it, too. You actually have conversation. There's a conversation between Jack, Mickey, and Ryan about, are we really going to sacrifice this child's life just to get this cursed object back? How do you wrap your brain around, I'm doing something good because I'm getting these cursed objects placed in a vault and and away from society to where they can't hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. But, oh, my God, I'm going to be responsible for a baby's death if I do that. Yeah. It's just, it, it makes you think. There was and, just enough dangling of that throughout mm, the episode, too. It was not over It's not beating you over the, the head, head with not it. It's just, it's that, it's that thought yeah. of, how can we do this? I mean, I know we have to do this, but how can we do this? Because mm-hmm. then aren't we just as bad as the people using the cursed objects? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, when, con- when you've got the moral quandary... Oh, that, that that's great storytelling. So for me, I rate this episode a 10. Yeah. The contemplation of where they were going to take this episode, especially considering how dark it started, mm. I really, I thought that they might. And I, I wholeheartedly thought that they could end up 
Sacrificing the baby. To sacrificing get the, the to baby get the, the, are, the, are the perfect words. Yeah. Th- those are the perfect words I was looking for. The, 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 not kill the baby, not not have to murder the baby to <laughs> right. make sure other things don't happen. Sacrifice. That, sacrifice yeah. is perfect. And that you can ask, at least I did, that you can ask the question while the episode's going on, my God, are they going to end up having to kill the baby, mm. sacrifice the baby? That you can ask that is a strike of gold yeah. inside of the episode leeching onto an audience as they're watching it. It's what you want. Mm-hmm. You want that anticipation of, I don't know where this is going. Might it go this direction? Because look at the rest of the episode and how dark it already is. Right. Uh, we, we get less than two minutes in the episode. Hey, look, a thunk over the head of some dude that's just dog, jogging down the street who came down <laughs> to save a baby. Really? Right. Yeah. This is another tremendous episode. The most recent one that we reviewed, episode 24, this strikes me inside of the same vein where the only thing that makes it better is that it rides the wave of history as well. Mm -hmm. So because I gave the last one a nine, I have to chalk it up inside of this one. And even with the goony negatives inside of this episode, it is a 10. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season one, episode 25. What a mother wouldn't do go over to our website right now at curiousgoodspodcast.com tell us what you think so until next episode i'm mike wilkerson one of your hosts and i'm nicholas j hearn your other host thanks for listening and we'll see you next time thanks for listening to this episode of the curious goods podcast We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. mother was trying to get the cradle with the baby in it into a lifeboat but the people in the lifeboat were having none of it uh, what wh- where's the compassion i don't know it's, well, it's over on the giant door with rose right yes. oh wait no it's not <laughs> never let go jack never let go <laughs>